I want to work with like celebrities who have graduated from HBCUs and create a box tailored to like their personality for their campus. And imagine a Meg the Stallion box, right? Right, that'd be so cool. A hottie box and really spice, jazz that hoe up. Like, you know. It's your boy Darius Fogey. Hey, I'm Zila. And this is the Calf Kids Podcast. We're here. We have a special treat for y'all guys. Today we have a special guest, uh, our first guest of the podcast. It's our good friend, Alexis Ray. And today we have her here to speak on her work. I think a lot of people, a lot of young people are like really interested in getting involved and helping out because, you know, lately we've had a lot of tragic things happen. And it seems like the people really aren't really sure where to look sometimes for people to get involved, right? Like, it's like, who is accountable for police? Who's accountable for shootings, things like that. So a lot of the times I think the community starts to take action where they see inaction, right? And a lot of that can come from nonprofit work, you know, community organizing, grassroots movements and things like that. And our good friend Alexis is in that realm and she's had a bit of experience herself with her own nonprofit. So we wanna share her work here and her story and just how someone could get involved with the nonprofit work environment. Alexis, how are you? I'm great. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you both for having me, my fellow Crosby kids. (laughs) Period, Um, Crosby. Crosby period, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, Alexis, can you tell us a little bit about your background you know, just for people to have a good understanding of like where you come from and, you know, what your motivation is, just can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, we all went to A&T together. I graduated from North Carolina A&T in uh, 2020 the, in the middle of pandemic. And currently I am, my work is multifaceted. So on one hand, I'm a journalist where I'm constantly telling impactful stories about the communities that I relate to. And on the other hand, I do communications for nonprofit organizations. And I am even a co-founder of my own nonprofit that my best friend and I started, Michaela Williams. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's called Market Box, and we work to fight food insecurity in college communities. So can you tell me like how you even found yourself in the kind of environments that you are in? Like what was the driving force that like brought you to your work? Yeah, that's a good question. Growing up, I I was always involved in some type of like volunteer work, whether that was through my church, with my mom, uh, through school. I was always volunteering somewhere, whether I was going to shelters, going on mission trips. And so that kind of continued to transpire through my life. When I went to college as well, I was always seeking different volunteer opportunities and wanting to get involved um, with my community. I'm very much so a take a big bite out of life and not a little bite sometimes right. to my own default. Yeah. And so to me, I was like, that's just not enough. I feel like I also need to be telling these people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I also kind of stepped into the realm of, I want these people's voice to be heard, not just for me to be here and be a part of their community and, and serving and assisting where I can, but I also want them to be able to tell their narrative. Speaking on specifically like your experience with nonprofit work, like can you describe to me or can you describe to us uh, in general terms, like what 
is a nonprofit and like what what are the what are the functions of a nonprofit things like that yeah sure we'll start with the basics so like a 501c3 nonprofit is an entity um, that's registered with the federal government and with a state that's working to provide some type of uh, service or meet some type of a need in a community. And there are so many nonprofits. Um, you can start a nonprofit, in my instance, to help feed people. You can start a nonprofit to provide um, mentorship. You can start a nonprofit to to really do anything that you feel like is going to impact your community. and. To get a little deeper into the ins and outs, literally anyone can start one. And probably North Carolina is one of the easiest states in this country to start a nonprofit because the um, regulations around it are so um, minuscule. And is that um, like specifically the 501c3? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And basically all you need is a person that's willing to sign their name. On, on a nonprofit, and so for market, when it comes to MarketBox, me and my best friend's nonprofit, her name mm -hmm. is signed on the documents federally and statewide right. for um, our organization. But like, if you want to start applying for grants, then you might want to like establish a board and all these other layers come into nonprofits, like the deeper that you want to get, like if you want to have volunteers, if you want to employ people, right. how you want to like create some type of financial stability for yourself to continue doing and sustaining what you want, whether that's like having people donate to you, uh, reaching out for folks for grants or whatever the case is, just depending on like how deep of a level you want to get into your nonprofit, how much you want to, how much time you want to invest into it too. Right. How much time do you dedicate to your nonprofit? I think that every nonprofit looks differently, obviously, but I think what's really special about what Michaela and I do um, is that we're friends and we know that we have lives and we know that we're in grad school and we have bills and we have anxiety and stress and all these other things, right? So we put ourselves first so that we can put the nonprofit next. And so we commit ourselves to a minimum of four food drives a year, but we always exceed that. We always do more than that. Right now we're like on a little hiatus because we had just been cramming in so much work from the start of this year. Right. To the last month so we're taking a, a couple months break to just like mentally ground ourselves again so we can fully commit back to the work right because you've got a whole life you know apart from this yeah yeah and some people make nonprofit work their entire career and that's great but since this is something that we do on the side we don't get paid for this we we go out looking for the funds we go out getting the food packing the food delivering right. the food we kind of have to do it on our free time so we usually like meet once a week go through plans uh, but yeah, right now we're on a hiatus because just, yeah, take care of yourself. <laughs> and you kind of already touched on this, but I was wondering, you know, like what does a typical, you know, obviously right now you guys are on a break, but uh, when you guys are trying to disorganize, you know, and, and collaborate with food drives and things like that, like typically what does that week or month look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, like one of us will have a bright idea. Like, you know what? We haven't fed a hundred people. We should do that. <laughs> so we've only fed 75. Let's feed 100 now. Right. Um, and it's just her and I. So we're just like, how are we going to feasibly make this happen? And we live in two different states. So it starts with a, a, a bright idea. We're like, oh, we should feed North Carolina Central, right? Okay, let's reach out to some people on their campus. Where What's the need? 
and how many students do they, do they typically feed? What kind of food do their students like? Um, these are all the questions that we start asking ourselves so that we can you know, get our ducks in a row. And then we're like, okay, what's our bank account look like? How much money do we think we might need to set aside for this drive? And how much food do we want to give them? Do we want to give them a box of food, a bag of food, buy bulk items and just give it to their pantry so that they'll have more options and accessibility to feed their students? And then after like reaching out to their university and making a plan on like, okay, this is the day we're going to give you the food. This is how much we're going to give you. What do you need from us? We always like to also let the people who donate to us regularly know what's going on behind the scenes. Like we've been in contact with this new university and we plan to give them food on this day. And it's all because of the work and the donations and the support that you've been able to provide us with along the way. Yeah, and then we feed the people. And after we feed the people, like it's such a celebratory moment for her and I, like we always go out and have a drink afterwards and just like debrief about, yeah, debrief about it because we're just like, ooh, that was great. That was a success. What were, what are the things that we felt like we did well? And what are the things we feel like we could fix in the future? I think even Darius and I like have experiences a lot of moments of reflection to see where, you know, we can, grow bigger and like what our dreams and goals are so I guess I'm curious to know like what is your your big dream right now when it comes to market box and what is uh, you and Michaela's vision for that we we always say the same thing we just want to feed as many people as we as we can if I was like really shooting for the stars I say this to her jokingly and she wants me to stop doing it but I'm like I want to work with you know, a large part of the universities that we feed are historically black institutions. And so obviously we want to feed as many HBCUs as we possibly can. And I jokingly say to her all the time, like, I want to work with like celebrities who have graduated from HBCUs and create a box tailored to like their personality for their campus. Um, Imagine a Meg the Stallion box, right? Right. That'd be so cool. A hottie box and really spice jazz that hoe up. Like, you, the you know who will you love should it. get. You know you. You know who should get. You should get Sweetie because she be in uh, her favorite dollar ramen, cheese, whatever hot sauce combination. Yes. Yeah. She get okay. the snacks box. Okay. Period. And college students will eat that up. Literally. Yeah. Literally eat that up. Listen, I say that we get you know a nigga box, you know a free eighth, you know what I mean <laughs> a four for four, you know what I mean really help these kids out. You know what though, a voucher for a four for four. Yeah, that would be very much appreciated. But you know they, you know how Pizza Hut used to do the um, like the the reading thing, and then you brought in like your I don't know I don't know if you guys ever experienced. Yeah, that, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. You're talking we used about. to do reading logs, and then I don't know somehow it was like if you read a certain number of minutes, you would get like a Pizza Hut personal pizza voucher mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Walk yeah. into Pizza Hut, and be like, hey, I read. Give me a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know it's hard getting money from my own people to get a cash app so how do you get donations mm-hmm. honestly like friends and family uh have been so supportive so we're just be like hey y'all uh it's our birthday on facebook <laughs> can you you know donate to our facebook fundraiser friends and family like have been so helpful donating we have um my church donates Michaela, uh, her mom works for blue cross blue shield of north carolina and uh they have worked out a plan for their employees to give a portion of their paycheck to us. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, just really word of mouth and friends and family and people just 
believing in what we do and wanting to help us out. I know that you touched on this briefly before, but I'm curious to know like what the process has been for you to get involved with um, HBCUs to um, provide to their food pantries. At first, when we started Microbox, we didn't really know who we wanted to feed. We just know that we wanted to feed people. Right. And um, the first people we actually fed was a nonprofit in Greensboro called Black Child Development Institute of Greensboro, who serviced children and families. It was during the pandemic, and we could see how much our, our peers were having a difficult time accessing food, especially during COVID, with so many regulations as far as like how they could access food on their campus, being the fact that the closest grocery store to A&T is like, you know, 1.3 miles away, like having all of these different barriers to accessing food when it comes to the HBCU that we went to, we just already felt privy to that information. So we were just like, I bet other HBCUs are having similar, you know, issues. And once going to their campuses and like geographically seeing how things are set up, like we were aware of the fact that like, this is a problem that's affecting probably most if not all of these institutions the food desert was definitely real in east greensboro i will say shout out to east greensboro so i think that's awesome that you guys were like big enough and bold enough to to think of other hbcus who um you know might be facing the same kind of uh geographical obstacles and um accessing food i i grew up in a food desert too and i don't even think i realized it until going to college and being on campus and being like oh my god like everyone would always you know say like oh the grocery store so far away like oh you got to take the heat bus or we got to walk or take an uber or whatever get to you know we had to take an uber all the time right to get to walmart when we lived in barbie and shout out barbie hall shout out barbie hall <laughs> shout out cooper shout out cooper real niggas know about cooper and i remember like everyone always you know complaining about like oh it's so far and like in my head i was like it ain't even that far but then i thought back to my own experiences growing up in like rural appalachia and it took us like 25 minutes to get to the freaking grocery store like that is a food desert like and that there's slim to no healthy eating options around where i grew up and like the most eating options you have are like fast food restaurants and so it's just like sometimes you have to like take yourself out of your own environment to really realize like this is not healthy and like this is not how people should be living it, it did seem like a whole production to have to go to this to to the nearest walmart um it, they're all throughout college really and i don't know how we made it we really survived or well, i definitely survived on the food on campus which was not like the healthiest you know i remember our freshman year and at that point in time you were you were vegetarian mm-hmm. and just like going to the cafeteria and you know having such few options when it came to what what you were able to eat in there was just so restrictive too like i remember one you put me onto like veggie burgers and black bean burgers out, out, and out. Right. Like I lived and died by those things for a long ass time just because like I wanted more healthy options, too, that just like weren't being offered in our cafeteria. So like that struggle for just accessibility of food on HBCU campuses in general, is just it's just so boo boo trash. I will say I'm not going to lie. I, before I was uh, before I went to A&T uh, for a brief time, I was vegan. And that was flew straight out the window when I get when I got to campus. It flew straight out the window because I really would not have been able to eat anything. Um, yeah, so I agree. I feel like I was really just eating whatever I could. Uh, 
Peace and love. I will say, because we, because Darius and I were obviously involved with like the cafeteria and all the dining services and all of that. I will say by senior year, I did see that they had made strides in that uh, category. So, um, I mean, I guess we all learn and grow, but we still got to do better. A question I have, Alexis, is why do you even care, right? I think like a lot of people don't even care about these people nowadays. So what makes you even care about these people to give them free food and to put all this work in? Honestly, Michaela Williams. Like, I know, I know, I keep talking about her, but like, truly, as you I should, as you should. Team. She's saying, she's, as you should. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would not be doing this without her. And I think one big reason, I, she. I remember, I was like in some journalism class, and I was talking to students or something about nonprofit work that I was doing and she came up to me and she was just like you're really passionate about like nonprofits and stuff and I was like yeah I am like I really enjoy this work and she's like we should start one and I was like ha 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 yeah <laughs> you know like when someone drops an idea in your head like yeah sure whatever ruminates right on the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and she was no she was so adamant she was like no we're gonna do this for real and like every day she pushed me she was like okay so what do you want our nonprofit to be like, do you want to feed people? Like, so without her, like, constant encouragement and push, like, Market Box would not even exist because I was just all about what other nonprofits can I pitch in and do do my part and play my role in society mm-hmm. instead of thinking about, like, what can we really put our mark on and what community do we know well enough to serve ourselves? And so without her, like, fully pushing us in the right direction constantly, like, Market Box would not exist. That's really special, I think, to have someone in your life to push you and to, you know, to reach further and to support, you know, that really, like, I feel like to me drives home the idea that that you, anybody really can do uh, this kind of work, like get involved or at least, you know, what I mean, like if not start a nonprofit, then get in, get involved by uh, working with them or volunteering or anything else. So I'm like curious to know, like, from your experience, now that you've been involved with Marketbox for how long? Uh, oh, geez, that's a good question. Maybe, I think this December will be three years. Okay, so you've been involved with Mar- Marketbox for three years. In your experience thus far, what do you think it takes, whether it's like writing or like being able to market or something else? Like, what kind of hard skills do you think? are good to have to be able to uh, get in this line of work. Or I guess maybe it goes hand in hand with like what your day-to-day looks like, right? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great question. No, honestly, I'm just like, not, I'm not stumped. I'm just on always on the other side of like asking people questions. So when people ask me questions, I'm like, oh God, I gotta come up with a, a good answer right now. <laughs> just speak from the heart, girl. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I think that the fact that Michaela and I have a lot of communications experience has been very beneficial for Marketbox. Not saying that you you need to be you need to have like a communications degree to do this work because you absolutely don't. I've worked for a lot of different nonprofits and I am amazed at the different type of degrees that people have. Like right. my loss my last boss, she had a, a bachelor's in like poetry, you know? Like people have a variety of degrees and are doing so many different things within the nonprofit sector. But I do think that having like some soft skills as far as writing is really helpful mm-hmm. because it, it, it allows you to communicate your mission to people a little bit better. Right. And 
let's see, maybe just having like, you know, some basic people, people skills, you know, feeling comfortable talking to people about something that you're passionate about is really important. And even if you have to talk to yourself in the mirror a couple of, a couple of times to feel like you got it down solid, like practicing a skill as far as it can be some, as simple as like, I really love comic books. I'm going to spend five minutes today in the mirror talking to myself about how much I love my comic books. Like getting comfortable with talking about your passions is so pertinent for nonprofit work because at the end of the day, your goal is to make somebody else believe in the work that you're doing. Right. So if you don't believe it for yourself, how are you going to make somebody else? I know that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Through your nonprofit work, has it led you to any cool experiences or any like people that you've met through your nonprofit work? Um, yeah, I would say lots of cool, cool experiences through the nonprofit work that I do and also like journalism um, have led me to some phenomenal experiences like with Marketbox. We've had some pretty cool media placements like Teen Vogue wrote a story about us. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And NBCLX like did a, um, a broadcast segment on us, uh, which is awesome. And I think that largely obviously nonprofit work is public service work, you know, you're serving the public in a way. And, you know, like I was saying before, my work is multifaceted. So journalism is also public service work. And I have got some pretty dope ass opportunities from that public service, that side of public service work too, you know, um, not to brag on myself, but I feel like Go Darius, ahead, yeah, I feel like he assisted me the ball. So I kind of have to shoot now. Go ahead. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to meet um, President Barack Obama. Um, what? Shut up, Darius. <laughs> <laughs> you were being intentional. <laughs> um, based off of the fact that, like, my journalism is public service work. And so I think any time that you're doing something that's impacting others, that's giving back to the public at large, like, People are going to recognize that and people are going to want to like support you and shine a big light on you. And I'm just so appreciative that people have been able to find both sides of what I do, whether that's through nonprofit work or whether that's through journalism. Period, girl. Shine bright like a diamond. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Obviously, like with all those accolades, I would say come a lot of like learning lessons. Can you share with me like what kind of personal uh, growth you've had to go through to continue to strive in this kind of line of work or in, in, in all of your lines of work, I guess. Oh my gosh, yes. I was just talking to myself last night. I, I know I sound probably, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when I say talking to myself, but uh, it helps ground me. Um, I love Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> You're silly. I was talking to myself last night about like not beating myself up, you know? Um, Cause I'm so bad about looking back at the past and like, and I'm just so hard on myself. And um, one of the biggest things I'm trying to teach myself right now is to just forgive yourself, girl. Like you're not always- Look, self-acceptance- yes, Absolutely. A requirement. A requirement. Like you're not always gonna be perfect. You're not, you're not always gonna be everybody's cup of tea. You're not always gonna say the right thing, react the right way and all you can do when it happens is try to recognize it, apologize, and forgive yourself. You know, the more that you hold on to all of those things that you feel like you didn't do right, all those times you feel like you screwed up, 
you're gonna beat yourself up and internally cause so much wear and tear that you're eventually gonna feel worthless and that's just not it's just not worth it like you got to forgive yourself for all those times that you feel like you should have could have and would have done something because it's in the past and you're where you're at now because of it so if you could meet 12 year old alexis what would you tell her like i, I feel like you, you do such cool stuff and i feel like i wish you knew you did such cool stuff as <laughs> your friend like, i feel like i wish i i wish sometimes I, I i wish if i could tell 12 year old me like bro you're gonna be a boss one day like like chill out bro like you have nothing to fear like bro just be lit that's what i'm saying like if you, you could go back and change the things what would you say or like did you even imagine at 12 that you would be able to do all of this um yikes what grade was I in in 12, when I was 12? Like, help me out, help me do uh, some math. Sixth, seventh grade? Yeah, like that was definitely middle school. Ew, yeah, gross. Oh. Right. Okay, well, I don't know. I would just say be com- like be confident, like believe in yourself. I had a lot of confidence issues growing up, not to like, you know, be a sappy hoe right now, but like I had a lot of confidence issues growing up. I still struggle or whatever with that too, but I think if there's one thing I could tell myself, just like believe in yourself. I lacked so much confidence then. I was afraid to just be myself because I wasn't really in a in an environment that um, that one there wasn't a lot of black folks around me, and I don't know. I just didn't believe in myself, and I wish that I would have uh, did that more then. And um, yeah, but I don't regret a thing. Like there's been lots of good and bad things to happen to me in my life. Uh, trash trash things and good good things but i don't regret any of them at all like i'm here because they happened so right did you ever think that well you know when you were 12 did you ever think that you were going to be doing journalism work and nonprofit work was that like the future that you had for yourself no not at all i think i wanted to be at that point i think i wanted to be like um a psychologist or something Me helping other people with their problems. <laughs> I mean, you do problem solve. I don't even know why. I was just like, I think I can help other people with their problems, but no, I can't. I'm glad I did not go down that pathway. I feel like knowing everything you know now, why do you think some nonprofits fail or do badly? Or have a bad reputation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see, because they don't understand their communities. Like, ew, nothing, I'm not, I've worked for a lot of nonprofits, so I'm not gonna name drop anybody, but I was working but for this one But if you wanted to. Red Cross, yeah, yeah, But if you wanted to name drop. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was working for this one nonprofit, um, and if I say this, it's totally gonna give them away, but I don't freaking care. Their campaign at the time was called End Poverty, and I, I freaking hated that campaign so much. I felt like it was so like, you know, dehumanizing and just like- How so? They, they, they would throw those two words around. They would throw those two buzzwords around to, you know, make wealthy white people feel bad and want to give more money to help in poverty. And they just weren't approaching it in a way that like made actual sense, you know? And I was gonna say, cause really what does end poverty mean? Cause I feel like, oh yeah. We gotta is- help the niggers. Whoa. You know, they just don't, <laughs> we gotta help them. You know, the slushies and the, Darius, and the Hennessy, hot. we gotta, hey, we gotta help them. We gotta end that poverty, man. We you gotta. Coming in hot, Darius. <laughs> coming in too hot, bro. Right. <laughs> we gotta exactly. end that poverty, man. We gotta end that and, I, and I mean. Yeah, but what does end poverty even mean, right? 
Exactly. And like ending poverty isn't just throwing money at the problem. Like we, we know we're smart enough to freaking know that poverty exists on, it's, it's, it exists on several layers. Right. And especially the most foundations of poverty exist systematically, how policies are created, uh, to set up low-income communities, black and brown folks, to continue living in the situations that we do in this country and throughout the world in general. So, so using two words like in poverty just isn't enough, is, isn't enough for me. And to play on that, I stopped working for that nonprofit and went to work for another nonprofit. And while I was working at this other place, um, the nonprofit I was formerly working for, they give their their job as a nonprofit is to give money is to raise money and give it to other nonprofits to help them succeed. And so sometimes they require certain things from those nonprofits that they give money to. And uh, it was during the pandemic and they reached out to this new nonprofit that I was working for. And they said, hey, can you all talk to all of your black and brown parents and ask them these two questions so we can tell our donors the answers? And one of the questions were, why do you think you're poor? And one of the other questions were, what does being poor feel like? What the fuck is that? <laughs> what do you mean, what does being poor feel like? Being poor feels like I have to choose between feeding myself and keeping my lights on today. Like what? I would have said, I would have said I was broke. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have looked at myself like, oh my God, I'm poor. But it's like, now you are making me feel poor. Exactly. I feel like being poor is like, wanting a Capri Sun, but not having a straw, you feel what I'm saying? Like, just disappointment. That's an analogy. That was a good analogy, Darius. That was a good analogy. Like, <laughs> See, I told you, I got good stuff, y'all. Y'all be playing me, but I'm there. <laughs> it, it is a disappointment, and there's so much stigmatism around like poverty as well, which is why I don't like that whole in poverty campaign. It's just like, you're further stigmatizing the fact that like- I'm your charity case. Exactly. Yeah which makes it even harder for people that really do need assistance to ask for it. But, you know, even with all that negativity, you know, what makes being in the nonprofit environment like worth it for you? Mm, yeah. Um, I keep going back to Michaela, but she said something yes, uh, the day before yesterday that just really rang true. She was talking about someone at her job that was uh, going over everything that's been happening in the world these last couple of weeks and just saying how this person was saying how helpless that they felt and wanted to know like how, how they could get involved to change things and make a change or whatever. And uh, Michaela had told them, just do your part. Like no matter how big, how small, like just do your part. And so that's what um, I guess keeps me going in, a, in this nonprofit kind of world is knowing that in some small way, like I'm, I'm doing my part to give a voice to people that like don't have it and to provide assistance to people that really need it. And I think about times when like I've really needed help and I've been too afraid to ask for it. And I think about all the different nonprofit type of work I've done and probably how there are a lot of people within those spaces that you know, I've been able to provide some assistance to that were probably too afraid to ask or didn't really know who to come to. And I, I just like to think that like in some really small way, like I'm doing something that's providing some type of greater good to the world, even though everything's so shitty and fucked up half of the time. Like, No, but actually though, because 
the people that you're feeding in the community, they could be the next, you know, senator, like president, whatever, whoever. You being able to provide those resources is, you know, keeping people optimistic so that they can go out and achieve their, their hopes and dreams. So I definitely do think that you're making an impact on the greater good of society by making sure that people are well fed. And so I hope that you know that you are appreciated in the community and that this work is important and that so glad that like somebody somebody that I know is doing that because it's like amazing work. So yeah, love that. Thanks, Sila. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love that too. Aggie pride. <laughs> Aggie pride. <laughs> um, so, something that does I don't want the viewers to know um, before we get off is that how can they donate to you? How can they get involved with your organization? Yeah, so you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's MarketBox with two X's at the end. And we also have a website. You just Google us, MarketBox with two X's. And um, on our website, there's options for people to donate to us. We have PayPal. We also have Venmo. Um, you can also sign up through your Amazon so that every time you make a purchase, there's this thing called Amazon Smiles. So every time you make a purchase, it'll give a little bit of uh, proceeds toward MarketBox. Um, I do that because I shop on Amazon a lot, even though I shouldn't. Um. Amazon's convenient, <laughs> like I said. It's Aggie like, Pratt. convenient sometimes. Exactly. So, like, if, if that's, you know, your speed and uh, you want to support us financially in that way, you can. Sometimes we have volunteer opportunities where we'll, we'll pack boxes or bags of food for college students, and we'll have people come out and help us do that. So we're always looking for opportunities in that way for people to support. Can I ask y'all a question? Yeah. Of course. What would be your go-to thing to have, like, in your dorm room when, like, you got two pennies to your name and you're like, I'm hungry, but, like, I'm about to eat this? For me, I would say soup. Like cans um, of soup? Yeah, cans of soup. I'm going to be real. When I was in Cooper Hall, microwave only, something that tasted good and be in that microwave with some soup. So I think I was fucking up the chicken noodle soups and um and, and like the little like wedding soups, the little like round little things, like tiny wedding ones, bussin'. Um, so yeah, I would say soup. I know I everybody talks about ramen, but really it's soup, bro. Soupy bussin'. So I would say that was my main thing when I was in coop, and then when I was in my apartment, um, like rice and some type of meat. But I always eat rice. Like rice is very easy to make. It tastes good. I like rice and beans. So yeah, rice. You know, I was in the dorm room for like three years, but I never was a soup girl. I feel like it never was, it just never was it for me. I would say for me, I don't remember. I want to say my go-to meal would probably be cereal. If I had milk and cereal, and I used to get those like big, huge bags, like you know how you go to like Walmart or whatever, and they have like the off-brand, but like in the way bigger bags. I used to get those all the time and just have cereal. Yes, yes, Zila, like, one of our one of the staple things that Market Box puts in all of our bags and boxes is a box of cereal. Sometimes two boxes of cereal because in Barbie Hall, like cereal was like bread and butter. Okay, I swear everyone in our suite had cereal and milk. Like you know what I'm saying. And sometimes, and we had like for whatever reason, we just really were an open door policy kind of dorm suite. And so it'd be like, hey, what kind of cereal you got? <laughs> <laughs> trade <laughs> for real i'm tired of my cinnamon toast crunch like you can eat that breakfast lunch or dinner okay seriously so just to recap on for anybody who wants to get involved in the nonprofit environment uh some things to keep in your toolbox according to the great alexis ray have soft skills like writing 
get comfortable talking about your passions. And uh, Alexis said to talk in the mirror, and I feel like that's a great idea because I do that anyway. And definitely have a good understanding of what your purpose is for the community because the last thing you want to do is to uh, be misaligned with the people that you serve. Don't beat yourself up because everything's a learning process and self-acceptance because, you know, that's also important too, regardless of, you know, the line of work that you're in. Alexis Ray, thank you so much for joining the Calf Kids podcast. Yeah. I, I would I would like to um, end with this quote by Winston <laughs> Churchill. He's always got a quote at the end, but you know what? We're going to let him rock with it. Go ahead, Darius. Go, go ahead, Darius. Y'all been hating, and I'm... Uh, thank you, Aggie Pride, <laughs> A-G-G-I-E. We're not going to hate no more. All right. And thusly... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what? I actually like that. That was good. I know. That's why I say it. <laughs> <laughs> all go right. Off. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much, Alexis. 